Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the APW. In this episode we talk to Cancerbat's Riff God and now producer Scott Middleton. We go deep on all things mics, rigs, guitars, preamps, best practice, Ross Robinson and all the great stuff he's producing now. If you want to know more about sessions, rig rundowns, reviews, extended interviews, please head over to theaudioproductionworkshop.com. Welcome to the Audio Production Workshop. I'm here with Scotty Middleton from Cancerbat and now uh, producer. Yes. Is correct? Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Oh, absolutely lovely having you here. Um, now, let's start from the beginning. Now, you've always had a, an urge to record. Didn't you do your first, like, Cancerbat CPs? Was that the vibe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, so basically, when I was a bit younger, I remember being in high school and I, and I watched, like, the, uh, I don't know if you remember the the like VHS cassette that Metallica put out like this home video called a year and a half in the life of Metallica. Yes, it's basically I like do remember this. documentary of making the black album, mm-hmm. um, which I just loved. And I watched a thousand times and I was just like, this is so cool. And I always wanted to just, you know, one day be in a studio. And as I started bands, of course you get that chance, but like, um, I thought, Hey, like, cause I never thought I could be a professional musician. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like that was an unattainable thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and everyone told me, you know, that would be a waste of my time. So then I thought, okay, well, I'm finishing high school. I need a career. I want to be an audio engineer. That that sounds really cool. Mm. I'll record bands. Yeah, great. I had moved um, to a flat in Toronto, and around the corner, mm. I noticed this recording school had just opened up. And okay. then I was just like, okay, this is it. I don't care what anyone says. This is what I'm doing. Mm. I have to do this. And I spent um, a couple years going to recording school. And that would that like massively changed my life because I learned so much from, you know, a guy who was like he got um, he kind of got like famous in the Canadian recording world. This guy Daryl Newdorf, who mm-hmm. he recorded like the if, if you know who Sarah McLaughlin is, she's like yeah 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 massive Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did like her first record, helped her write it, um, and you know has since gone on to work with like. Uh, Nico Case. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've recorded Nico. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And um, and he's produced, I think, like most of her records. And so anyways, he, he was like a great guy, a great musician, and like taught, taught me a lot. And it was really cool to kind of go to school for the first time and like wake up thinking, I want to be at school, which yeah. had never happened in my life where like <laughs> I didn't really, you know, it's just, just it's normal, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. especially for musicians, you want to just be home playing guitar, hanging out with your buddies and, you know, pretending you're uh, rock stars. But when did the... When did the move into mainly more cancer bats then kind of pick up then? When well, did that take you away from that? Okay, well, basically, like, at that time I was in recording school, I was in this sort of, like, death metal, hardcore, black metal-influenced band mm. called At the Mercy of Inspiration. We didn't all see eye to eye in the okay. band, and mm-hmm. things started kind of crumbling away. And I, during all this, I was, like, going to recording school, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I was really excited because going to recording school, I just could see it was like, this will make me a better musician as well. Yes. I'm just going to learn more about music. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of near the end of that, I had just started Cancer Bass, and Cancer Bass was just, like, kind of a fun side project because mm-hmm. Liam and I were old friends, and we always joked about starting a band. And then one day I went to visit him when he was living in Montreal, took the train up, and I brought a guitar. Mm. And we wrote a bunch of songs together, him on drums, 
and and that was kind of the start of the band. And basically, at the end of my my recording course, they offered all the students like some free studio time at the okay. studio at the school. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. My other band isn't really doing much because we were all sort of like a couple guys had quit, and mm. you know we were just kind of in disarray at that moment. And and Liam and I were really excited about our new band, and we were like, okay, let's let's record a demo. And I was like, yeah, perfect, I'll do it. I, I've got Absolutely access brilliant. to the studio. And then, I mean, the thing is that like the reason I didn't keep on recording was because basically that demo got assigned within like a month. That's brilliant. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I listen back and it's like, obviously, I you know, I laugh at, <laughs> you know, the engineering work that I did and the decisions I made. But, you know, it, it kind of proved to me it's like the songs were cool, the energy was mm. there, and we we believed in it. So, like, yeah. a thousand percent. We were just like, this is great. It puts smiles on our faces. And, and I, I bumped into the guy that um, ran our old record label in Canada, this guy Greg, who ran Distort Records. Um, passed him the CD mm. and he was like oh cool thanks yeah I'll check it out and then like a couple days later at my, at my job where I like sold train tickets at a train station yeah, um, somehow he had found out the number to where I worked and called and was just like is this Scott and I'm like yeah and he's like hey it's uh, Greg from Distort I can't stop listening to this man this is brilliant like it's all that's been in my car for the last week I'm freaking out like when can I see you play? And then it just kind of went from there. He like just absolutely loved our band and believed in it. And, and then it was just, that took me on this ride of being, you know, a professional musician. One of, one of the things I've noticed is especially on like the first few cancer bat albums, you're working with the same producer, mm -hmm. like, um, was it Eric, Eric Ratz and Kenny long as well. Yeah, I think he yeah. started doing a lot of engineering and helping Ex out a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, was it all in Vespa Studios? Was that the majority? Well, yeah. Or was it a little bit of Vespa, a little bit more Metalworks? This is all like studios. Yeah, okay. So so basically, like, our first record, Birthing the Giant, the guy who produced it was this guy, Gavin Brown. So he's responsible for, like, uh, the first two Billy Talent records. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that you might know. that, But there's, like, Canadian bands like Three Days Grace. He's worked with uh, Metric and Tragically Hip. And mm -hmm. he's worked with all these, like, really well-known Canadian bands. And... Um, he was the guy that basically hired, uh, like Kenny was like his editor mm -hmm. at the time, and Rats was his engineer. Right, and he produced it and you know worked massively on the songs, and he helped us a ton with learning how to write songs. Yeah. you know, and he he's a bit of like a almost like a Rick Rubin kind of guy, mm -hmm. very much has that vibe about him, and he just really taught us how to be better songwriters more than anything, Brilliant. and. You know, and that was that was really valuable. Um, but the thing was, I think we had this really excellent um, personal connection with with Kenny and Rats because mm. you know they were the guys like in there with the studio, like really showing us how to be better musicians in a lot of way. Not that Gavin wasn't, but mm. at the time he was also working on another uh, Canadian band. And so he would kind of be like in and out of the studio mm -hmm. and be like, okay, cool. So here's what you guys are doing today. I'm going to go check on this other record I'm making simultaneously. Yeah. And okay, so... so you I know, have known producers to do for that. Sure. They will dip and out. And I mean, and you know, and for, for us, that wasn't necessarily <laughs> ideal, but we just kind of like went with it and that was, that was that. And, you know, and then that allowed us to really get this bond with, with Eric and Kenny. And mm. so... 
when it came time to do the second record and we were like trying to figure out who would produce it we just kind of started talking to rats and we're like hey man like we loved working with you mm. and kenny can we do this again but just us yeah you know and he was like absolutely yeah yeah i'd mm. love to and it was cool because like we weren't sure if like you know some guys are just strictly engineers yeah and he was like no i'd love to produce it and mm. then so we went and did hail destroyer with just mm -hmm. the two of them and um it was also interesting too because our our original bass player Andrew he had quit the band because he wanted to pursue a career in graphic design. Did you play all the parts on that album? Yeah, I did. did. Yeah, on the first album mm. too. It it was just like, you know, they the producer kind of made the decision. He's like, listen, Scott can get the better result, and I and I ended up playing it. And it's mm. like no disservice to him. It's just yeah. Andrew like in you know much the reason he left the band he, he literally said he's like it's not my dream to be a professional musician he's like yeah. i love playing and playing with you guys because you're my friends and it's fun mm -hmm. but like he's like i started a graphic design company that's really what i want to do and you uh, have to respect that yeah uh, i also think making those decisions decisions in a studio especially when things are so raw yeah and really obvious as well you have to go with what is there to get things moving because you can get so stagnant. Well, for sure, sometimes. and and I mean, and that's how you run out of budget. Yeah. <laughs> because you're like, oh, and I mean, I mean, this is this is all the stuff that like learning along the way. It's like we weren't prepared. Mm. Like we went in to the studio before we were really ready, you know, like mm. le unfinished lyrics. Pe certain certain people didn't quite know the parts like they thought they should. So has that changed now? Like uh, well, absolutely. These pre, are all pre pre production, get it down and oh, then go. Yeah, like we're making like ten right. rounds of demos now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like on our last record we were demoing for like seven months or something. Okay. You know, and because we are wanna be so prepared and we'll do revisions and you know, Liam will come up with like alternate lyrics to a song mm. and we'll see if we like it and you know writing guitar solos, deleting those solos, adding new ones, you know, fills like arrangements that we just try over and over and um and it's just but you get that with the experience i mean everybody is just like when they start their first bands they're just like oh, i just want to record yeah, yeah you know but you don't know everything you need to know to figure out to do mm. it properly and and um and those are the things that like as we went on you know rats and kenny noticed that about us and like listen we got to do some like real serious pre-production and they would come in and make demos with us and mm. we would go over the stuff and it was cool because we didn't do that on the first record mm. um and it made such a difference um in in improving everything because now uh you know liam had these solid demos to like sit and write lyrics to mm. um you know we could sit there and figure out the parts you know there's there were still things that like we should have ironed out better whether mm. it was like what tempos we were playing the songs at and you know um if we could have maybe arranged something better or if something was it's just like it's all hindsight now and, yeah. and whatever i'm proud of everything we've done regardless but um i learned so much from those experiences along the way that, that that's what i you know i'm always teaching bands i'm working with now where i'm mm. just like okay listen we're not stepping a foot into the studio until you know what you're playing because especially these days it's like the budgets are so much smaller to like yeah. make records you know compared to like even you know when we were starting out like mm. you know 10 12 years ago making our first records and it's like um there's just there's no way you can waste that time so i'm always just like 
really like drilling the bands that I work with. Okay, I need to know exactly what you're singing and when. Yeah. Or if we don't know that, that means we take a break in the middle of recording. And we don't do vocals until you mm. absolutely know what, what the plan is, right? So. Now, obviously moving into producer world yeah, that, you are, yeah. that you are doing. With your producer mindset, yeah. obviously you work with Rats, Kenny, and obviously Ross Robinson. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what do you feel you've picked up from them and kind of tweaked it to your advantage for when you do step in the studio? What things are you kind of making sure that you're... Yeah, um... I mean, I think like, you know, if I go back to starting with Gavin, early mm. guy, songwriting from that guy, for sure. Yeah. You know, when it comes to um, Kenny and Rats, massively uh, how to make things sound great with engineering techniques and attention to detail mm. and problem solving and like really how to nail killer tones mm. and like kind of seeing what works and why it why it doesn't in some cases mm -hmm. and like how um and how that can affect the whole vibe of the overall project and and, mm -hmm. and really really like hard working diligence like those guys i have so much respect for because i've they just like crush in the studio like mm -hmm. they they'll work crazy hours and get the project done on time and with, with just like consistent results and that, mm -hmm. that's the thing consistency from those guys is something like I'm always striving to like you know match what I've seen mm. pros like them do and then and then Ross is this whole other enigma he's the like he's the wild card in the you know the hot sauce that you pour on top of a meal that ties everything together you know yeah. it's just he's just the most organic producer you know, music maker that I've ever met. Everything from him is stems around emotion and instinct and spontaneity and this like, you know, he kind of talks about it like it's like this molten fire inside of people. It's like his thing. Mm. And and I, and I love that. It is like, it completely, blew, working with him blew open all my concepts of what making a record could be, mm. should be, shouldn't be. And... And more than more than anything, like from him, it's like I love I love like the spontaneous decisions he would make that would like change something completely and always for the better. Mm. Any suggestion he had for us, it was just like what? And then we try it, and it would blow my mind. It'd be so cool. And mm. he he really made us feel great and put this confidence in. I shouldn't even say confidence. Fearlessness mm -hmm. is kind of what I've learned. It's just like we can try anything, mm. and that's what this is. It's art. It's this open slate. You can put it down, and like I think even more than all of that, it's like he really provided this fun experience mm. for our band, and it was like the least – boring or tedious recording I've ever done. It was yeah. just exciting because I never knew what was going to happen. You got he, things thrown at you, didn't you? Yeah, I had to, <laughs> absolutely had things thrown at me. But, you know, it it got the result that, you know, mm. he was looking for and and <laughs> I mean, that's his thing, but yeah, yeah. when he throws things, it's like it's not because he like hates you or something or he's like is trying to hurt you. He's trying to like he's trying to make you laugh and yeah, like yeah, yeah. open up and not be in like, you know, cuz it's like a guy like him, he's working with strangers a lot. Like, yeah. you know, and, and he definitely was with us. And it's like, he got us to loosen up. 
Mm. And and I think like I, I've never had so much fun making an album. Like we were always doing something the way he would like um you know, like once we finish drums and we like so we record drums, we're the entire band is in the room with Mikey slamming away mm. and you know, rather than being like, maybe, hey, like, I would, before, previously, record a guide track to a click, and then Mikey plays to the guide track, and the rest of us are sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. It's like, no, he got us involved. Have you, have you cherry-picked that now in your, kind of, do you oh, love doing that? Do you absolutely. Like, I think I've seen a couple of pictures of you yeah, actually it's, being in it's with a, bands. It's such an important of... thing for me, like, you know, everybody's different, and there's mm -hmm. some people that work better alone with a metronome or alone without a metronome, whatever, you mm. know, or with just like one person, you kind of have to feel it from band to band. But I find like 80% of the time mm. I can go in a room of any size that can fit like a drum kit and like three other guys yeah. and have the band playing because this is why a band exists is to play together. Yeah. And it's them and their natural element. And, and I'm like pushing for that because I see it in these drummers that like, Again, about 80% of drummers feel weird just by themselves mm. with a click track or like a weird sterile kind of strange sounding guide. And they're like in headphones and they're just like, they're kind of panicking and they're frustrated. And I've had so many drummers now just say like, Scott, thank you. Like, yeah. I've never had so much fun recording my drums ever. Usually I fear it like nothing else mm. and you've made this like a fun experience for me and mm. i mean that feels great yeah. and, and i mean and that's directly from ross like mm. because he gave that where i was like man i've never i haven't enjoyed recording as much as i did since the first time i recorded yeah because it it wasn't like this tedious process predictable in that way and, and, and whatever that doesn't matter yeah. because that's just his way there's no that doesn't mean another way of doing it is wrong obviously mm. like if you pay attention to every detail you're going to get a pretty good sounding record if the engineer knows what he's doing, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but this is like, you know, and I, I've teamed up with other engineers who are like, kind of like, you're going to do this. Uh, and then <laughs> they're like, I don't know. And, and then we'll, what'll happen is, is like, you know, we'll do a couple of takes without it. And we'll just see if like the tempo's right. And then, mm. you know, if there's a click or whatever, and that the band gets the feel mm -hmm. and then I'll go in the room and I'm going to like, there I am like moshing and circle pitting and like, trying to give like i'm kind of like a conductor in the yeah. room trying to like egg the guy on and do like exciting things um you know just sort of like rather give him energy and mm. get an exciting performance and you're the hype man yeah i'm the, I'm the hype <laughs> man I'm t I'm, yeah yeah i'm flavor flav and and so you know but but then i turn around and like i you know i, I look at my engineer buddy and he's just like Oh man, that was so much better than when yeah. you weren't in the room, and it's and cool. It does make a difference. Yeah, it it, it difference. really does, and it's like it, it makes people feel comfortable because it's the same thing. It's like I know it because like performing around the world, if we play in front of a stiff audience and they're just kind of standing there looking at us, you kind of feel a bit weird, and mm. then you. I don't know, play something that convinces them and the room goes off and they start dancing or people start moving around a bit, mm. then you loosen up and you start yeah. playing more confidently and you, you stop thinking about things like metronomes and, and like, Oh, am I going to screw this up? You just feel the song and the mm. music and it, it's that excitement. And it's like, again, yeah. So much of that is from what Ross taught us because I think, mm. I think, wow. Yeah. I've never seen my own drummer be so, stoked about mm. making a recording before and it yeah. was 
the most enjoyable for him and, and the whole band. And like, right. and then we would continue like, like it w- when we would have to do like guitars, bass, vocals. It wouldn't be like here's guitar week. It would be like okay, do this song, guitars, next, bass, vocals, and like everyone's in on the day. Everyone's, everyone's in on the involved. day. You have like you felt like you put in a shift. Yeah. And then after you could go chill out. I mean, Ross is on right Venice on beach. beach. <laughs> yeah. Literally open the door beach and you're like, okay, this mm. is all right. I can chill out. Yeah. And you know, and then you look forward to tomorrow and the work you do and you can, you know, maybe think of ideas and mm. Ross will destroy those and make something even more incredible. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I'm, but th- that's super inspiring. And, and I think like, me becoming producer, like Ross gave me even more confidence and that like all the things that I feel about music that are just intrinsic and just, mm. you know, a p- part of me. Have you, have you moved into like gearhead at all? Massively. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, maybe too much sometimes. <laughs> so I will go over your rig, your guitar yeah. rig, because yeah, I think yeah. it's always great to touch on that. I've, For I've sure. seen your guitar rig evolve over the years as mm. well when I've recorded you. Um, so recording wise what's kind of really floating your boat at the moment because i notice obviously with the stuff at vespa and even metalworks that's all g series kind of ssl boards for sure uh what was ross doing he ross was, doesn't have a console it doesn't have a console it's just no no, no yeah he's got like um you know like uh orion converters uh, sorry antelope orion converters and like yeah. um and then uh he it's just all like Neves, Chandler's, mm. Brent Avril stuff. So it's for you and your in. personal stuff, are you, do you like go, I want to be in, are there specific studios you go for now that you're kind of looking at just because of consoles or you kind of like, actually it doesn't really matter so much? I mean, that's. Th- I think that's one of the things that I've kind of learned. The console is less important to me. Mm. You know what I mean? Because like I don't need an SSL. Mm. to track a record i mean yeah of course it's nice yeah but i mean i would rather have a nice rack of neve pre's than that mm-hmm. and you know like one of the last records i did was for this band called lawless sons and we went to this great studio in toronto called union and they have this like vintage neve console and it's great because it's it's actually it's quite bare bones you know, mm. it's not really the kind of thing that they mix on mm. necessarily, and it's just it's got good pre's and mm. you, the front end is is nice. Has it got EQs on it as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like it's, it's a lot of ten seventy threes, and right. I think there's maybe some ten eighty ones in there. And, and I mean, that. they they have full racks of outboard there, you know, mm. the distressors and you know API stuff. Like, I mean, all that's great. I mean, that for me, so much more than that stuff. Mm. is kind of the room yeah and if you feel good being in it mm. and if it lends itself to a good performance and a good drum sound like mm. i mean that's that's yeah. why i'm like renting out a studio yeah nine times out of ten is to get drums down yeah because i feel like i can kind of do vocals and guitars mm-hmm. nearly anywhere like yeah. i mean i could come into a small studio and be happy with that the result like i can mm. get good stuff um but I'm I'm always looking for like okay can I fit me in the whole band can I get everybody like if I want to track guitars or something live in, mm. depending on the thing like something like um, like that deck piss record where we're like trying to record some of the other instruments mm. live um, it's it's important to me that you know the studio be able to accommodate that yeah um, yeah but the console is not everything to me because i'll mm-hmm. go to a smaller studio that doesn't have a console and they just you know they've got some neves some apis mm-hmm. i bring my stuff 
that that mm-hmm. I own. And what it, stuff do you own? <laughs> I've got, um, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I got that thermionic culture oh, yeah. stuff. I've got, um, actually, have the slate quad fox preamps. It's basically like, oh yeah, yeah. So it's it's they're supposedly like, so to be able to sound somewhere between a Neve, a Millennia, and an API. Yeah, okay. It's switching a bunch of transformers, mm-hmm. and it just sounds nice. It's yeah. it's pretty good. It, it's a it's a bit, um, it's thick. It's thick sounding, and and mm-hmm. I like it. So it really works on some stuff. Um, I've got some uh, Black Lion. Um, the clocks on those Black Lions are really good. Yeah, I, I actually don't have their clocks. I just have some of the the preamps that they've mm. come out with. Like they have like a Neve and an API clone mm-hmm. that that I've got, and I enjoy those. And I mean, I like them be- also because they're portable and because I do a lot of like fly in producing stuff. Yeah. And if I don't know what the studio has, I'm like, okay, okay. well, I've got a pre <laughs> I, that I can put in my carry on mm. and I can rely on this. I know what the re- predictable result if I need to record mm. a guitar or vocal, what I'm going to get. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really like using the, the Rupert Neve DI box, mm-hmm. um, that they came out with. I've got, a a Rupert Neve um, 5043 compressor. It's like a mm-hmm. dual compressor. Sounds great on vocals. Um, I've got a lot of the Kush audio stuff. Like mm-hmm. uh, the, I got a pair of tweakers and mm-hmm. uh, Electra EQ, Clairphonic. Mm. Um, I really like the Elysia stuff. Um, yeah. Their EQs, uh, the X filter, and um, the Envelope, uh, which is more like a transient designer. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. Um, you know, I I kind of like real. I think I went a little overboard on some compressor compressing that like i bought more than what i would need in certain situations yeah. and stuff like that um because also like i'm not always doing the mixing yeah it's, it depends on the project and um and budgets and stuff like that and uh so i you know i've kind of been learning a lot in that way where i'm like okay i, I kind of need more on the front end of things mm-hmm. better mics better compressors mm-hmm. sorry not better better mic freeze is what i mean to say and and eqs Mm. because i like kind of i love eqing on the way in because Mm. i'm a good i'm a guitar guy yeah it's like i do that every time i I plug into an amp i'm getting the tone i'm not like i hate i I, because the the thing is is like mixing in the box or something like that Mm. there's just endless possibilities there's like a million plugins i kind of like committing myself a little bit yeah so i don't have to think about it as much later if Mm. i can get the mix sounding like 90%, 95% there, I'll be so much, I'll be able to sleep better at night. Yeah, and handing it over to the mix guy as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and also being like, hey, like this is the sound we want. Yeah. This is here. Like, yeah, augment this so it it fits with, mm-hmm. you know, and has balance. But like, this is the entire intention of why mm-hmm. we put a mic up in front of a cabinet. Because otherwise, yeah. record a DI. And you you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's almost like that for me where I'm like I, I just really wanna carve that guy's sound and be be happy with it then and there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I hear you. Now talking recording guitars and guitar tones. Mm-hmm. Now are you still running diesel? Oh yeah, yeah, I love diesel yeah, stuff. You're yeah. Still running the diesel. Uh, do you kind of mix it up in the studio? Oh, for sure. I, yeah. I mean, you know, diesel's not going to be good for everybody. Mm. You know, I, I have a few different amps in my collection. I have a, an old uh, 80s Rivera M100 mm-hmm. um, valve head that's great. And then I have like this um, handmade uh, custom head of mine uh, made by a company called Morris Amps, mm-hmm. which is sort of out of like uh, Niagara Falls, uh, Ontario area. And um, 
that guy like you know custom made me an amp from the ground up and i told wow. him exactly what i wanted and it man and it's really versatile it has a beautiful clean just thick mid-range and it does something that the diesel can't do but mm. vice versa the diesel is just this all-encompassing rock beast and metal beast mm. that like you know is tight and can cut through the right way it has a massive bottom if i need it to mm. sounds great with down tuning and and you know band uh, like out of the runes i use like seven string guitars with something like that mm -hmm. it's like you know it can really accommodate that yeah. um and you know and then you know we mix up speaker cabinets to taste and mm. stuff like that and um i you know i like getting a blend of usually not more than three amps that would mm -hmm. be kind of like the maximum but yeah um usually two is probably gonna get me the best result mm. i think um that i'm happy with but on stage you're just dealing with diesel well just it, for ease is that the vibe yes and no i mean yeah like uh it kind of depends on the situation like when i'm touring in canada i'm using my if we're talking about like live situation yeah yeah like i'm i'm gonna use diesel mm -hmm. but lately i've been pairing it up because jay has this massive bass sound that is almost it's, more guitar like in some ways like he's running like the orange uh, ad 200 yeah that, i mean that's his european rig but oh, at, okay but at home he has these old uh canadian amps called trainers oh yeah yeah and, and, the, and then he has like this old ampeg v4 and so he started running two amps okay and then you know he runs all these fuzzes and he's cranking his mids yeah so i've got to like kind of compete now especially as like as our rigs evolve so i have been running two heads mm -hmm. um so i'll do like the diesel and the morris together or the diesel rivera um rivera is kind of somewhere between two. those two mm -hmm. and i you know so like when we did our last um we did uh that run of bat sabbath shows you know where for people who don't know we do like a, a sabbath cover band for fun sometimes which, which uh and, you have to go and see it because it's absolutely ace thanks man <laughs> yeah yeah and um so i i i brought because the rivera is a newer amp for me and i brought that out on the tour and i just did the whole thing on the rivera mm -hmm. and it, it really worked it kind of covered the ground of the vintage yeah. and and then the cancer bats more modern sort of stuff um so that's fun you know like i it, it sort of gives me the extra balls i need to like really push through mm -hmm. the the stage mix and stuff like that and are you still running the torpedo stuff yeah i mean I, honestly that's been kind of like a secret studio weapon for me um i think they're great i love it absolutely like for me it's i'm not a fan of the kempers and axe effects like so mm. many people are i think those things are useful tools like i mean Absolutely i never i never have their purpose yeah, yeah. I, I never really like to like you know hate on any guitar gear or innovation like that mm. i mean that stuff's been around forever like you know i mean i've been using like you know fake amps since i was a kid with my boss multi-effects and <laughs> just running those like through di's like i mean when i was a kid my first bands like i was like oh i don't need an amp i just can plug in this straight front of house and that you know of course the engineer's <laughs> cringing and laughing at me and hates me but whatever the, you know but so I, when i when i like when i hear those things and i don't know if other people notice but like i don't care like what model you're really using mm. if you're playing like a, a high gain thing through this box it has a sound like mm. it has this tone and it it's like the minute things that it's like it's something that's not just eq it's there's this tone about the way that it pushes air through a speaker or through pa and, and I'm just not the biggest fan of that. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen some bands sound phenomenal on it, mm -hmm. and either they have somebody amazing programming it for them mm -hmm. that the 
I think you're only as good as your programming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I I saw the band Failure Mm. at South by Southwest a couple years ago, and both uh, Ken Andrews and I I forget the bass player in his name, but they were both running Axe Effects, and it sounded incredible. I mean, they're a massively talented band, but I know he's a producer. He's dialed that thing in like crazy. His front of house guy's really good. Um, and then I went and saw another band around the corner use it, and they were some terrible metal band, and it was the the worst tin can guitar sound I'd ever heard. And I go, yeah, yeah okay. I mean, it's the player. You know, we mm. we toured with um, Danzig and mm-hmm. Tommy Victor uh, from Prong plays guitar for Danzig. Um, you know, he's got Kemper. I mean, it sounds amazing because he's an amazing guitarist. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. the source going in. Mm. But I'll say this: it's just for me. There's still this thing. Like I've plugged in and played them, and I'm like. Oh yeah, like in a pinch, I would use this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I've got a valve head, that it does this thing that I think of as a guitar sound. Yeah. When I want to play guitar, when I want to record it. I also think if you're, you know, jumping between venues yeah. and you don't know what guy you're going to get as a front of house for fella, sure. Like giving him a set of XLRs out of a torpedo, you know. Well, okay, ex- yeah, exactly. It's, and, it's that. You've got and, to, you've got and to this is, And this is, sorry, we yeah. got off topic. Yeah. We started ranting, no, no, no. ranting about these other things. <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about torpedo. I, I think torpedo is great because you're plugging a real amp into something mm. and all it's doing is just, it's mimicking the speaker cabinets. For people who don't yeah. know, it's like, it's a load box and speaker simulator in a rack. Mm. And the thing is really cool sounding. And I remember like um, a couple tours ago, when I right after I just got it, I was I was sitting at home and I was practicing some older Cancer Bat songs that we hadn't played in a while off so, mm. like you know like our third or fourth record, and and I wanted to just you know make sure I was like yeah I haven't played this with the guys in forever before we get together and rehearse I should know my parts right <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so. So I sat there and I started like tweaking. I plugged like my Morris straight in, and it's my studio tone is pretty much, with the exception of our last album with Ross, because I didn't have my amps at, in California. Okay. Um, I've always used uh, my Diesel Herbert and then this this Morris head that I have, and the uh, so I plugged the Morris in right away, and like you know kind of tweaked a sound, mm-hmm. and then I started sort of like playing along to like our own recording of like something off of dead set on living and i just was able in a few minutes to like nail that sound really close yeah and i was like man and it it just felt good because it's the amp i used Mm -hmm. it it and i think so much of what makes an amp great is the front end of the amplifier the input section and the transformers in it and the way it responds it just feels right, mm-hmm. and you get used to hearing that. And yeah, of course, like you know, nothing's better than standing in front of a loud valve amp and you feel the air push at you. Yeah. But when you're recording, you don't usually hear that anyway. Yeah. So I'm thinking studio tone. This is it. This does like almost everything that I'm looking for when I'm when like you know we're miking up amps isolated in another room. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, I'm just tweaking it, EQing it, and making yeah. it it right. And you know, you find the right models and of cabs, like you know, the right impulse responses or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just like it, it's uh, it's satisfying. Mm-hmm. And and that and I haven't found that in the other digital, um, you know, products that are coming out for guitarists. Mm-hmm. It's just this one really works. And and I, I've got to know uh, Guillaume who uh, runs Two Notes and 
great guy and you know he always comes out to our shows in in montpellier in france and mm-hmm. he um they've been really cool and helpful when uh you know when i've needed them and stuff like that and um i uh i back their products 100 percent. Mm. yeah where's next for producing and where's next for bats um okay so for producing i'm i'm in currently in the middle of doing finishing the deck piss record mm-hmm. the lawless sons record and then i mean i'm kind of this guy where i've been taking on a lot of different things there's also this other band in in slovakia that i've been working with uh who are in the process of changing their name so i don't know their new name they <laughs> okay. used to be called mama's knows best but okay. they're changing their name um after some lineup changes and stuff like that so i'm working on a record for a band there i've been doing some stuff like with mm. some bands like doing pre-production over skype and cool. working on songs and stuff like that so um so yeah gotta gotta finish up deck piss lawless sons eventually gonna go with this band from slovakia and and currently doing pre-production with that band shock horror mm-hmm. um are you are you guys writing now are you yeah of, we're, we're just exactly like cancer bats we're just about to start um uh writing our sixth album Brilliant. um yeah it's uh mikey he our drummer he's just had a baby and he him and his wife uh like they've moved out to Winnipeg, which is a 24-hour drive from Toronto. If anyone wow. is, if anyone <laughs> wants to do that that trek to the wintry uh, lands of Winnipeg, but the um, it's uh, you know so that's a new dynamic for our band, and we're figuring out how we can make that work. So you know mm. he's going to come down in August for a month um, with his baby and and you know show. Show oh, show off show off his baby to to all all his Ontario friends where we all live and like we get to hang out and that sounds lovely yeah, you that know really does. all all the bats uncles yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh, and yeah so but it's cool because then he's gonna have the time and we're mm. gonna work on songs and uh, mm. yeah it's uh, it's exciting it's it's crazy to think that like you know it, I, have you set a time for record no not, not yet. yet not yet we which is good because mm. for me I I know what it's like to rush something and how Mm -hmm. that could go really wrong Mm -hmm. really quickly and and thankfully that you know even when we were kind of rushing i still felt like we got lucky and the batch of songs we wrote was was good but now we're definitely of the mind of like okay we've written a lot of songs Mm -hmm. like let's make sure that we're putting something really great down and i mean we we really did that, I think, on the last record, and we were like quite happy with with how the the songwriting went. So we have a bunch of that. Um, this whole uh, idea of having a producer career is is fulfilling, like my love for music in a way that I haven't experienced in it. You know, in my life before, because I've never, I've always been like a member of a band. So this is kind of my way to like Give it temporarily back. be a member of a band. You yeah. know, and it. it it's it's really satisfying and it's cool because as I was young I was always in like three different bands that did different kinds of music I'd be like in an industrial band a metal band mm. a more punk band or something yeah. and then and then with Cancer Bats it was like the first time where I was only in one band mm. in my life and then that's been the last over 10 years and now I'm kind of like you know itching to make other kinds of music mm-hmm. but you know I'm probably not going to make like you know, like a joke, goofy punk rock record like Deck Piss is, for instance, mm-hmm. or something like that, or or maybe an extreme metal album like Speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because that wouldn't make sense in the the realm of cancer but, but, but bats necessarily. Being, but still being part of that that creative process does help exercise. Well, for sure. That, I mean that creative part of you, is, which then which is really important. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, it's the essence you know. of being a musician for me. Yeah. Like, and that's why I love, I I love taking that in the next step and showing, you know, uh, other people who might not have the same experience that I do. And helping them, yeah. you know, take their bands to the level of that, you know, I've been at with mine. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you ever so much for coming of on. Of course, the, uh, thanks for having me, man. Workshop and uh, more power to your producer, Elbow. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Cheers, mate.